0: let's do this the cult of hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful staples of the Edmonton Journal and I'm here tonight with Bruce Gertie hey
1: Bruce hey David how are you doing tonight
0: uh good it was a beautiful day out there today again I got outside for a little bit did you
1: sure did sure did (laughs) and And, you know uh, what for my walk did Nice. My wife and I set up some tables to do some spray basting for her quilt projects outside because it was so nice. Not often you get to do that on October 19th.
0: Did you just say the sentence spray basting for quilt projects?
1: Yes, I did. Okay,
0: Thank you, Bruce. Um, no, my wife is a anymore. major
1: a major quilter and there's one phase of it that she needs my help. So I What probably... is
0: what is spray basting?
1: It's a spray where you actually sort of glue the layers of the quilt together, the front, the bat, the sort of the, the uh, thick part that you don't see in the middle, and then the back of the quilt. So it's, you spray them together so they kind of line up with each other before they get quilted. She does all the quilting. Cool. I just help with the spraying. So. All right.
0: Sounds like a man's job.
1: Well, it's a it's a spouse's job to support their their partner in their uh, creative arts projects. And that's exactly what this is.
0: Indeed, Bruce. Indeed. I'm doing the same with my wife. She's Excellent. going to uh, her hockey team, going to Vegas, and I've agreed to go yeah. along with her. So,
1: you know. Boy, that's pain. The support, that's that's taking one for the team. All the support I can give her.
0: Um, it was, it, you know, and, you know, the other good news is the orders are, you know, testing our stoicism. You know, they're giving us one of these little life Just tests. That's mine tonight, David. We will see how we measure up, Bruce. I think, Mm you know, we can see uh, from Twitter, at least, or X as they now call it, that not everybody passes that particular test. So we'll see how we
1: do. I've I've (laughs) taken to completely avoiding that platform on game nights.
0: Oh, me too. I always I have. I'm, to the last
1: I'm sorry, and I, I follow many wonderful people, but some of the wonderful people are different during games. I know I am, so I I tend not to want to tweet my own stuff unless I see something sort of extraordinary that I just throw out there once in a while. But uh, uh, I did not see anything extraordinary tonight, and I do not blame the Twitterverse if it is ripping the orders a new one because they are fully deserving of such criticism tonight.
0: Yes, the X Men and X Women. As yes, they're now known, mm. they're ripping. Out. They're xing the Oilers.
1: X fans.
0: Xing, xing, <laughs> xing. All right, uh, four to one, lost the Philadelphia Flyers. The Oilers are now one and three to start the year. This is not the Stanley Cup-winning Edmonton Oilers that we were all expecting to oh, see no. early in the year. This, this is, this is uh, uh, somewhat disappointing. Um, but let's try to be, let's try to figure out what's going on here a little bit. Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, two numbers, and one conundrum podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was a stinker of a loss, we'll go with two bad things each. What's your first bad thing?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with the, <clears throat> with the orders Leadership Group, and I'm going to, I'm going to, uh. Uh, I mean, it was a team-wide thing, but there was nobody on the orders that was that was lifting the team tonight. That was, that was going the extra mile, that was uh, 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 seemingly winning a physical battle uh, or wanting to engage in one, more is the point. And there's, it's a long list of players, but I'll, I'll, I'll just start with these ones. Okay, Darnell Nurse, three shots, uh, no hits, uh, so we'll talk about that one. Uh, He was the best of them, probably. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, two shots, no hits. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, one shot on his only attempt, one hit. Uh, Connor McDavid, no shots, no hits, no takeaways, no positive stats other than an assist that he got. And uh, uh, I just didn't see... uh, I mean, for a leadership group, I just didn't see anybody sort of stepping up. And, in fact, the team as a whole, uh, in the third period especially, they they flat out quit on this game, David. And that that upsets me as a fan. I find that hard to to accept. You're down by a couple goals and you get outshot 17-4 you know by a team that couldn't make the playoffs last year but by a team that worked their ass off tonight and skated circles around the Edmonton Oilers because they were prepared to to give the effort that was needed to win a national hockey league game and the Edmonton Oilers Stanley Cup contenders were not
0: yeah the only guy flying in the third was Dylan Holloway out there blocking a shot when he doesn't have his helmet on and and he also got a good shot at net; it hit the side of the net. You know, he he was flying around there. But and McLeod, I thought he was he was flying around there. Those two young guys. But yeah, Bruce, uh, I agree with your point, and and I, I would say it's been a little disconcerting this year. This is my first bad thing. How slow the orders have looked. They've looked slow against Vancouver and they've looked they looked slow tonight. They look like the the, the, the other team two teams who aren't world beaters, not expected to be at least this year, are not, you know, they both looked faster than the Oilers. And I don't know if that's just a matter of execution and effort, or if it's a matter of some of the player choices that have been made on the Oilers. I mean, tonight, for instance, they went with um, Vinny Harnay over Philip Broberg, who's a far superior, faster skater. They went with Adam Ernay in terms of signing someone, and he's he's not a fast skater. Um, Connor Brown still hasn't found his, his skating legs, but, um, I mean, who looks fast out there? Holloway and McLeod look fast tonight. Um, I mean, McDavid is Connor McDavid. Yanmark has his moments, um, but tonight this just looked like a slow team. Yes, um, just beat to the puck, beat on the rush. Yeah. Um, How many
1: plays, How many odd man rushes?
0: Yeah, this this could be an issue, Bruce, for this team. It's it, I, you know I will have to think a little harder about it, but um, they might not have the right combination of um speed mixed with all the other things you need to win on this team right now and it might just be necessary to move up some of the play feature more some of the fast players like mcleod holloway um they've already done with Fogel, who's who's a fast fairly fast player and he had some decent moments also a few iffy a few ones maybe they just ha- have got to feature some of the faster guys a bit more and um that's the answer but right now they're looking slow, and slow means you lose in the NHL. Yeah. What's your second bad thing, Bruce?
1: Yeah, well, uh,
0: should I go first you, here? Uh, yeah, you you go first
1: because I'm worried I'm I might be be about to take yours, and I don't want to do that.
0: Okay, because I've got the we're gonna just talk about two of the goals against, two of the four goals right. against. And mine's (laughs) first in order in the game. The first goal against, actually, there's not much to say other than Philly made an aggressive pick play. And it's the kind of thing that happens when you're fast and aggressive. You get away with that kind of stuff, and it led to a goal. But it's the second goal against, which was, like, um, (laughs) I call it a tragedy of errors. It was, you know, just one big brain freeze from the entire team. It starts... As will happen in hockey, two Oilers players collided. Well, they happen to be super solid, phys- physically solid, Evander Kane and Connor McDavid. And McDavid, this happened in the Ozone. <clears throat> McDavid got up limping to the bench. And um, as, you, have you, as you have been saying since then, it looked like everyone else just kind of momentarily lost their heads. settle has the puck in the neutral zone, and instead of a nice crisp pass over to Bouchardy, he puts it over off the boards. Bouchard still could easily make a play, but his brain goes to sleep, seems to, you know, go to sleep as well. And he fumbles the puck, loses the puck to a Philadelphia player who breaks in. And now there's another player breaking down the middle. And Ekholm looks like he's falling asleep because, you know, watching McDavid go off the ice, baby. And he yeah, gets the that. Philadelphia attacker gets in behind him. It's just a split second, right? It doesn't take long in the NHL. It happens so fast. And, and I think that's as good an explanation as anything for a really key moment in the game. It's one nothing at that point. And now it's 2 nothing, And it's game just because goal. The key this moment. weird thing happens on the ice and you lose your concentration,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <coughs> yeah. watching your star player go off the ice for a second and bam, you're out of it.
1: Well, I'd rather lose the concentration, lose that goal, and lose that game than lose that star player. And McDavid was able to come back and and rejoin the game right after a sort of tense wait during a TV timeout uh, as experienced in my house. And uh, uh, he had a good shift right away to sort of uh, quell my concern about whether he was hurt. But he disappeared from this game after that. And I do have concerns about whether he maybe got dinged up a bit as if, you know, And that the team certainly lost its focus down the stretch, but that play, I mean, the worst thing that happened on that play was Kane colliding with McDavid, and then the whole team just sort of froze, and it was uh, it was poor, but uh, there were extenuating circumstances, but boy, oh boy, it was, uh, uh, Philadelphia sure made him pay in a quick hurry.
0: I'm sure the um, the enemies of Evan Bouchard, who are out there, um, are having a fine time of it tonight because he yeah. did not have a good game. All right, uh, what's your second uh, bad thing, Bruce?
1: Well, I'm going to take the 3-1 goal then, uh, and that was uh, the orders did have a, a little surge in the middle part of the second period, and they scored to make it 2-1. Then they earned another power play. And you think, Jesus, this is pretty good. You know, they they came close but didn't score on the first power play. They killed the penalty. Then they came back and they scored at even strength. Now they got a power play again, and the power play was atrocious. Twice they gave up odd man rushes, where what, the first one there was four Oilers behind the goal line. Somehow they none of them came away with the puck, and Philly did. And it was kind of a a scrambled odd man rush that. Uh, I'm not sure they they wound up getting a great shot out of it, but it was Oilers chasing, and then maybe 30 seconds later they were trying to set up again, and again they they uh, uh, lost the puck battle. and had Philly coming down the ice in what looked like an odd man rush, and it was in the end it was more of a two on two because uh, one of the one of the Oilers skated back to uh, to even the scales, but it was never. The the D-man, Bouchard, like he had to kind of cheat into the middle because he wasn't sure if it was a two-on-one. And by the, before he got over to his man, his man shot the puck. And all that said, it wasn't shouldn't have been that dangerous of a shot, but somehow it beat Jack Campbell clean, high on the short side. And that was the moment that uh, I think Edmonton literally fell out of this game. It was like a backbreaker, and they couldn't handle it. And I got this, uh, you know, wake up, boys. There's going to be other times where where, uh, uh, adversity calls, and you better be prepared to take it on because so far you've played four teams that didn't make the playoffs last year, and you've got one game that you won and three that you lost in regulation.
0: Yeah, that moment was... uh campbell trons just like we saw too often last year <sighs> but you know what I really I really on that play Bruce I really didn't like Nugent Hopkins back check mm-hmm. if he just came back if he just made a better decision first of all in the ozone like to to defend as opposed to you know me like there's three flyers breaking out and he yeah, he's going well. just go back get back and defend and then hustle as hard as you can until you're on the right side of your man mm-hmm. And then Evan Bouchard isn't confused. And then maybe he gets a stick on that. If if Nuge just made the right decision and then put in the right effort at the right moment. And it, it was, again, part of the general malaise of the team, just not being sharp.
1: Not, no, well, McDavid not, was trying to pass it to Nuge. So Nuge was kind of wrong-footed in that. He thought they were they were attacking, and McDavid coughed it up with his pass back. And then they were scrambling. And nobody really scrambled to good position. They didn't know it.
0: So we're done with uh, our bad things. We will move on
1: to our good
0: things. Bruce, do you have one?
1: Good things. Uh, you go first again, David, if you don't mind. Okay,
0: I will. The best player of the game for the owners, I thought, was Cody Ceci. Mm-hmm. He um he wasn't a culprit on any goals against. No. Nope. he, he um he made a couple of um nice plays in the defensive end that ended up as great a shots at the other end. And on the owner's goal, he started it off by winning the puck in the neutral zone. And he was uh, integral in finishing it off. He um, made a nice pass to McDavid in the offensive zone. And then he went to the slot. He went to the slot. And as the puck came through, it looks like he might have tipped it a little bit. He was screening the goalie at least. And um, then it went to Hyman who put it in. Um, Solid defensive game some good offensive moments. So uh, we hope to see more of that from Cody CC. I have actually been seeing him fairly good early in the year. I mean, he is again, like I'm talking about a slow team. Well, he, he would be part of that issue and he's not a fast skater. Um, Nonetheless, he's fast enough to be effective. And um, he was that tonight. You're a good thing, Bruce.
1: Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, with Dylan Holloway, who played 12 minutes and 17 seconds tonight, and he was a minus one, but a very kind of unfair one, where uh, uh, on the first goal, when um, Kulak made this sort of not good strong pass up to Fogel at the neutral zone at the boards on the on the uh, uh, center red line, and Fogel yeah. lost that battle, and then he just went off, which, I mean, the puck had already gone away. So Holloway hopped over the boards, and, and uh, two seconds later, it was in the net kind of thing. So I certainly don't hold that against him. Uh, I do see he had one shot on net, one that just missed the net that you talked about already, two hits, one block shot. And I do believe he was the only oiler to put a crooked number in all three of those columns because that apparently was a lot to ask on this particular night. And I I thought he skated well. And he also had, uh, presumably this is one of the hits he was credited with, the hit of the night, where he gave a reverse hit at the Edmonton Blue Line. Some flyer came in. They hit Holloway while he was handling the puck, and, and Dylan just ran over the guy. Uh, and that was, a, that was a, a rare sight on a night that the Oilers did not have a lot of physical pushback or really pushback of any kind.
0: Yeah, he seems to be making good decisions out there uh, with the puck. Um, he's playing more like a veteran, and uh, I, I honestly think he should be in the top six at this point. Um, I guess I don't like who would they move out while well, they move out. Kane. Of uh, Vander Kane, and so that segues, Bruce, to my number, which is 32. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know what it is with power forwards, but 32 is kind of a, of a magic number. I'm afraid to say, kind of magically, uh, black magic number, magically bad. In that you see, it's rare to see you know power forwards excel in the NHL. After they hit 32, 33, 34, like it's just, you know, they start falling off at 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. It's a- almost always due to injury. We saw this with Milan Lucic when he was, I think, 29, 28 or 29. Um, his game just dropped off a cliff and he was not the same. Mm-hmm. I brought this up in an earlier podcast. I think the first right. podcast of the year after seeing first the first in game one, and, and, I'm, and I'm bringing it up his age right now again because, you know, and I want to make clear that I, I see the effort. The effort is there.
1: Yeah.
0: I see a player who is fierce and determined. And um, he may just be fierce and determined enough to, to fight his way back. But since that horrible wrist injury, um, the, the deftness with his hands, he, he had great hands um in tight and making passing plays we're not seeing that we haven't seen it regularly we've seen it now and then but um my concern is growing and i think what they need to do is to think okay what can he do and uh, i could see him as a third line energy player at this point and use him as that and if he can work his way up from that go with that but Kane in the top six right now makes no sense. He's not getting it done. He is not close to getting it done. And um, it's time to go with someone else right now. And um, so that's my take on it, Bruce. What, any, any thoughts?
1: Uh, Yeah. Kane's been struggling mightily. I mean, through four games now, they've updated at natural stat trick. Uh, and, the Oilers have had, had he's played basically an hour, one full game on the ice. The Oilers have been outshot thirty-eight to twenty-four in that hour and outscored six to one, six to one. And it's, uh it's uh, you know high dangers are sixteen to eight for the other guys. It's you know it's uh, it's not pretty. Uh, expected goals for McCain thirty-four percent. Like that's like. Uh, based on how the flow of play has gone, you would expect the other guys to score two for every one the Oilers got. Like, it's been poor, and the actual results have been worse than that. So it's scary. And here's the funny thing, David. Here's my number from tonight, and it's Evander Kane stat line. And actually, if you look at this in isolation, you'd say, well, this is one Oiler who came out and, and you know gave it a good, strong effort, which you said already, and which I agree with. Um But just not in sync. You know, he led the Oilers with five shots on net, with eight shot attempts. He led them with five hits on a night when nobody else had more than two. And he also led with two takeaways on a night that no one else had more than zero. So to recap, out of the 23 Oilers shots, Evander Kane had five. Out of the 16 measly Oilers hits, Evander Kane had five, and out of the two Oilers takeaways, Evander Kane had both. So, at least he was trying, (laughs) you know. Yeah, he he was was doing stuff. He, you know, he's putting up crooked numbers, and one of the things I look for in power forwards is this range of crooked numbers in these various columns, you know, hits, you know, takeaways, shot attempts, you know, sort of. not going out there and being invisible, which he wasn't, but I agree with you. He looked slow. He looked clumsy. He had two or three collisions. There was one time I sent you a message in our scoring chance thing saying that Kane and McDavid should be separated for their mutual safety because Mm -hmm. McDavid... Kane ran into McDavid. And then a few minutes later, I think McDavid ran into Kane. Uh, anyway, it's so his numbers say he gave a good effort, but I'm saying these numbers don't capture the, the, the whole picture near as much as um, what happened when he was out there, which the Oilers tonight were outshot 11 to six. They were outscored one to nothing. And a lot of this time he's spending with McDavid. Yeah. You know, since he came back from his injury last year, uh, he's played 300 minutes with McDavid, so five hours playing with best player in the world, and in that time, the Oilers have scored 10 goals and allowed 20. So it's like losing five <clears throat> straight games by a score of four to two when you have Connor McDavid on the ice for the whole game. Yeah, and that is whoa. You know, you just can't have that. So. If there's something wrong with the guy and he can't do that some, anymore, then stop trying to have him do that maybe have him try and do something else. And, Same and page. And work his way back on, uh, you know, from a little bit down the lineup. you got to give him chances, but boy, oh, boy. it's. I mean, they've been giving him chances, and it hasn't been going well.
0: It has not. It took them forever to adjust when Lucic's game dropped off, forever. It took it like a, mm-hmm. a season and a half almost before they took him off the power play. It strikes me. Yeah. Kane's not on the power play. Secondly, they put Hyman on that line with um, oh, David. Yeah. They scored. Now, you you know, you can't have all your good players on one line, but they do have Holloway and they do have McLeod. Like, they have other options. That they can move into the top six. Yeah. They got um, Raphael Lavoie down on the farm, you know, another young winger who can slot mm-hmm. in if they need some life in the lineup instead of Adam Rene, another kind of slow slower power forward guy
1: i saw him real slow tonight ernie
0: yeah and he was not good he with was the a step either.
1: behind yeah,
0: yeah he's not he's not succeeding and um yeah they this is anyway for now um just I, I just think move Kane to the third line ask him to be a checker and a hitter and an energy player and, and let them get his get your game in order, man. Just take a few weeks, three weeks, figure it out, and we'll go from there. First sign that you're ready to <clears throat> start making plays, you'll move right back up again. But for now, we, we need to win, and you need to help us win. And that's how you can do it. So that's how I see it.
1: And here's my bonus number tonight. 20 shot, shot blocks for Philly and six for Edmonton. Oh, I was going to say the same one. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. I gave my number already. Thirty-two. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty to six. Both teams had. uh, Edmonton had slightly more shots, but it was almost even. Shot attempts. Edmonton had, but when it came to actual shots on net, they had twenty-three to thirty-three. Because uh, Philly was blocking Edmonton shots, whereas Edmonton was not only not blocking Philly's shots, they often were not even particularly close to the shooter, breakaways and so on. And Jack Campbell, you know, down the for all well, he let in a really stinker goal down the stretch of the third period. He was the only reason this one didn't get up in five, six, one like the first game. And yeah, so I gave two him two stinkers four. in four games. That's. Yeah.
0: I gave him a four this game
1: um, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. because of the stinker goal at a key moment. Yeah, but, you know yeah,
1: no, that was a killer. He
0: he was but he wasn't poor or terrible. No,
1: like he, he he was so okay. you
0: can't let in a stinker. <coughs> yeah, Bruce, wow. tonight's conundrum. Mm-hmm. Conundrum of a night of the night. What are you gonna do with the D man rotation? You have Philip Broberg, um who's mm-hmm. played who played okay. Uh, I think playing as well as Brett Kulak, for instance, if not better. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Vincent Deharnais, Um, You've got Cody Ceci. And you've got um, Nurse Bouchard and Ekholm. I, you know, they're, I think, the top three. Right. Yeah, you have another a number of other defensemen, four defensemen for three slots. How yeah. would you handle it, that conundrum? What would you do?
1: Yeah. Uh, next game, I would send Adam Rooney to the press box, and I would go 11-7 would be the first, yeah. first approach. Okay. Uh, then you still have to figure out how you're deploying those seven, but it would have been a nice option to have Philip Broberg on the on the bench tonight. That, you know, in a game where the Oilers look slow and were getting out skated, they would have had that option to put him out there. And, you know, actually, I thought Deharney had a pretty good game. Uh, he won a lot of puck battles on the end boards and stuff, and uh, he did get beat on the first goal, but it was hardly his mistake. He was, you know, last line of defense, and the guy made a good pass that he tried to cut out but couldn't. But I thought he was okay, but, you know, speed is not his game, obviously. And so what the eleven-seven 7 does, it gives you way more options, both up front and on the blue line, in terms of different ways to combine your players maybe gets the coaches a bit more involved in the game too. Not sure how, <laughs> how on top of this one they were, to be honest. But
0: <laughs> I like your solution to the conundrum. I think that's probably the short-term answer. I, I do think if there's going to be a rotation, though, it should be bigger than Deharnay and Broberg.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it should include Kulak
1: and CeCe. Kulak and, had a really tough game tonight, man. Yeah, he has oh not, Man, he kept coughing up the puck.
0: He has not been sharp. And um he's been the weakest defenseman, I think, so far. And but none I just think I would if you're gonna do a rotation of with six guys, I would include CC and Kulak in it.
1: Rotate and the whole I, third pairing, eh? I,
0: yeah, and I would um down this season if there's a move to be made, you're gonna have to clear out some cap space. And I, I see and it might be to bring in another superior defenseman. But i think the play is to to move one of kulak or cc this year and either make room for broberg if if he deserves it if he shows that he deserves it still not known or if you're going to be trading for a superior defenseman if that's the biggest need on your team this year as it was last year um then you do then you do that i still think in this whole thing about being slow I think Broberg is a big part of the solution this year if they yeah. can get that guy going cuz he is the he is the the, the fastest skating Oilers defenseman. And um, um, so I'm I'm not keen on seeing him out of the lineup too much. And um, I and I and I do think you're going to need to anyway we'll see how that goes but a trade could be part of part of the the, the solution of that conundrum as well down the road.
1: Yeah, for now, they need to find a short-term solution that uh, involves using the guys that they've got here. Or maybe they go off of tonight's game and pick up one of those guys on waivers tomorrow morning and decide to shake things up a little bit that way. Because I will say Adam Ernie's job is hardly secure.
0: Who's on waivers right now?
1: Uh, Zach McEwen is, uh, is a tough guy yeah I know him um, yeah he has got I think he's got roots in these parts and the other guy was uh jansen harkins who's already been waived and by Winnipeg and picked up by whoever waived him today he, he they gave him a look and then they cut him loose so I'm not sure that that one works for, I'm not sure either of them works for me but it's I mean there are options out there and one way you can get a free player is pick one off of waivers and as long as he's not you know, if he's not carrying a big cap hit, then obviously he can't do anything. But there's that 21st man on the roster for now with Adam Ernie, but they could easily put him on waivers to make room for the guy that they're uh, picking up, right?
0: They'll have some patience with Adam Erne,
1: is what probably. Probably. But, but that, what that's I've the...
0: seen so far from Adam Erne is Alex Chase on without the shot or the penalty killing ability. <laughs> so he's not exactly like he's not exactly impressing Bruce listen uh, I'll have some patience too with him like let's see three or four more games Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but um yeah I'm not I'm not I haven't seen it yet I'm not I'm not feeling it dog and I wonder how that's going to turn out for the Oilers. anyway there's lots of as you say there's a number of solutions there
1: yeah well
0: there's there's the waiver wire and then there's also Raphael Lavois.
1: Yeah, well, Ooh, the seven, the eleven-seven to- is uh, Jay Woodcock's secret sauce. Yeah, and it's
0: time time yeah. for the secret sauce. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. That's that's a wild card lineup, and the other team's got no idea what they're going to do. And I suspect the coaches themselves even sort of have a vague idea of this then that, but can, they can sort of roll with the uh, with the you know dynamics within the game, and just have more options at their disposal. Yeah,
0: be nice to see. Uh, I, I think that is the right the right idea. All right, Bruce, Winnipeg on Saturday.
1: Mhm. Now we start seeing the playoff teams. Good stuff. Good <laughs>
0: stuff. It's going to get better from here on, in no doubt. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight.
1: All right, thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.